everybody we're back kind of sort of back here we are separated i thought i was sick i'm not sick it turns out that our canadian friends just infested me with smoke and so now i'm coughing for the next like three weeks but we're back brandon is kind of here depending on when his internet decides it wants to work i'm here as long as my internet is deciding to work And we are going to try and get through today's episode and hopefully do it well because we uh, we we missed we missed everybody last week due to to travel and internet issues and all sorts of other fun stuff. So today, though, we're going to jump in because some of you are already half aware of what's going on. Some of you have no idea what's going on, but none of you outside of Brandon and Joe Day and brother Matthew have any idea what's been going on in my head for the past month and a half, which is probably a better option that you don't know what's going on in my head. And still, I don't think anybody knows that. Exactly. That's what Joe Joe last night had to interpret quite a few. He had Indiana Jones quite a few things to get it to be readable. So... Over the past few months and rounds of the different Twitter debates, I've been constantly going back and quoting a set of very specific chapters of scripture. So we've been doing dealing with a lot of the Beatitudes out of Matthew 5 and Luke 6, Good Samaritan Luke 10, Luke 18 with the sell all you have, Romans 12 with the renewing of our minds, All of Galatians, because, you know, we spent a long time in Galatians as it was. And then Philippians, specifically chapter 3 and chapter 4. And now if you know those chapters, they really are not related at all other than the ones that are already connected. However, when I started having to look at them back to back to back to back to back regularly... I started to realize how much they actually were connected and how they actually are able to help us understand the problem passages, quote unquote, for some of the, the different debates that go on, as well as specifically how it helps us understand the misunderstood passages that Paul wrote dealing with mental health and personal finance and prosperity and wealth and everything else. So we are going to go ahead and try and unpack what was going on in my head for the past month and a half. We'll see how this goes. So this is going to be your your therapy session? Right, especially with the internet cutting in and out and trying to unravel my mind. This could be a very interesting episode. So we asked the question on social media... For people to give us a non-dictionary definition of the word contentment. And we got a lot of good responses, with the exception of Brother Matthew, who cheated and went ahead and copied and pasted off the internet. So we have to shame him publicly. Now, Brandon, (laughs) what would your answer have been if you actually were ever on social media to answer the question when I ask it? (laughs) Yeah, for contentment, I would have said um, being in a space of satisfaction, uh, either for something you have or don't have, or even a certain situation. And that is very similar. Or peace. That's a very similar definition to what we got for the most part. We got a lot of good, good responses that came in. We're putting some of them up now. Most of them were very similar in sentiment. They highlighted keywords like happy, comfort, satisfaction, peace, provision, a, a constant state, uh, dealing with words like factors, 
one we had a good one that was dealing with the word craving we had a lot of different responses all kind of saying the same sort of thing but we also had some very unique responses one of which from our good friend Karen Terrazas that highlighted it in a different manner so this is what Karen had said she had described it as a word that is used to beat people up who lack something. So the example she gave was that single people just need to learn to be content and then God will give them what they actually desire. That yeah, when, I, when I saw uh, when I saw that response, I thought it was definitely something interesting because I think it's something that when we have that response, it's not something that we're able to give to other people. So we just tell them to have contentment because it's something that we're not able to help provide. Well, and it, and it becomes a very Christianese churchy word. Like, you know, we talked about this when we talked gospel. People will say, well, just preach the gospel without ever defining it. You know, they say, well, just pray about it without ever actually talking about what prayer actually is. You know, they say, well, you should just, you know, uh, be joyful without ever defining it. Have peace without ever defining it because we know that those words are in the Bible. And so we think that because they're in the Bible, it's good enough to just hand out. But what Karen highlights for us is why it's so important for us to actually approach this word correctly. Because all of these different definitions were not wrong. They all are correct. You know, the dictionary definition is a state of being content, satisfied, or a state of ease of mind. All of those things are what the word contentment means when we look at it from just a dictionary definition. But that's not what Paul is talking about. And that is not what scripture is actually talking about when we talk about what it means to be content. And so that is what we're going to walk through what's been swirling around in my head about this word and what Paul actually means when he says that he has learned to be content. So we're going to start out in Philippians chapter four, where this phrase comes from, but we're going to start out by reading Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four and going through 14. All right. So this is what, what it says, starting in verse four it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence if there is any praise dwell on these things do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the god of peace will be with you i rejoice in the lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me you were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it i don't say this out of need for i have learned to be content in whatever circumstances i am i know both how to have little and i know how to have a lot in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. So this passage has a lot of those buzzwords that people throw around and use. We also, if you remember back to the prayer episode, have again Paul highlight the four types of prayer. That's just a side note because those aren't buzzwords. But we do have a lot of different buzzwords that show up in this chapter that get thrown around and used a lot. Rejoice, anxious, peace, contentment, all of those sort of things. Again, we talked about this at the beginning, just get thrown around and used without ever actually talked about and described. And a lot of the times that we do try to throw them around and describe them or preach on them, we end up with modern Americanized versions of these words. Because like we already said when we asked about contentment, almost everybody was dealing with 
a a physical attribute that they were able to identify things with. When we talk about anxiety, everybody immediately just jumps to mental health disorder. They don't talk about anxiety in terms of a feeling or an emotion. It's just the mental health disorder. When we talk about you know rejoicing, we're back to the last episode we did on worship, where that's the only thing we ever talk about. You know, when we talk about prayer, we don't, even though Paul here lists all four types, we still don't always talk about all four types. Because we just look at this passage for whatever reason and only look at it from an American English point of view. So when we, you know, we look at all these different buzzwords here in chapter four, they get looked at from an Americanized perspective, Americanized understanding. But if we look at this section and compare it to those other sections that we talked about there at the beginning that we've been throwing around. So looking at it with Galatians in mind, looking at it with Romans in mind, looking at it with chapter 3, looking at it with the words of Jesus out of the Sermon on the Mount, looking out of other passages throughout Luke. When we start to look at all these things as one package, a different version of Philippians 4 starts to emerge. And that's what we're going to do right now. So there are four things specifically that we can actually see in Philippians 4 to help us understand what it is that Paul is talking about when we talk about contentment. Right. So the first thing we're going to look at is something that's actually in the text, but ignored a lot of the time when we start to talk about contentment because again we like to just say be content and just leave it at that but look at verse 11 and what paul actually says i don't say this out of need for i have learned to be content in whatever circumstances i am in contentment is a learned behavior it's not just something that can naturally be done yeah that's a very simple thing when we read it, but we don't ever talk about it that way. We just talk about the fact that you should be content. Even even going into, you know, the VeggieTales type of thing uh, with Madam Blueberry as far as contentment, it's just talked about as like, you should be content. Even though the story is her learning it, everybody just looks at it like, see, you should be content like all these other people are. So would you say in this instance, the learning of contentment, it's you're learning to be content in <clears throat> throughout different areas um, or you're building upon that same one level of contentment. Well, and that's where we actually need to look at the Greek because even in English alone, we can say, okay, yeah, this is not just something that you should be able to do. We have to learn it. That's what it says. But the Greek word is mimae, which actually means to learn a secret mystery. That's way more than just seeing how other people act in a situation and copying it. There's a mystery involved here. We are learning about something that we otherwise could not know about. And especially among a culture where self-help or prosperity theology is so prevalent, the idea of contentment being something that we have to search for to learn about that's that's a completely different that's completely different than any, anything we ever actually hear talked about around this topic because it's not just okay well this person shows this and this person shows this and they seem happy so I should try and be like them no we have to actually go searching for this so how do we actually go about searching for this hidden mystery And we can find that by looking again at the root word that Paul is using for this. So the root word he uses is mueo, which in the most basic understanding is to literally shut off your eyes and your mouth. And that is because contentment is a spiritual response and not a physical response. This is not something that in reality what Paul is talking about here can happen unless you are a believer. Which again, we don't talk about that either because we're in an era of self-help, an era of prosperity theology culturally. 
So the fact that you have to be a believer in order to actually experience true contentment is not something that we ever hear talked about ever. Yeah, because I would think when I see that, it would just be uh, to learning to shut your eyes and mouth, basically not coveting against your neighbor or what somebody else has that you don't. Right, which is, again, covet is another one of those words that is we, we've Christianized and church churchify, and we don't use outside of, really outside of Sunday school. But that is, a, that is an example of one of the ways that this happens. But when we're talking about it in terms of learning something, we're, we're talking about a much deeper level of commitment to the education process here. So if you are going to shut off your eyes and your mouth to learn something, you are learning through full submission to the person teaching you. Because they now have to be your eyes. They now are providing the voice. All that is left for you to do is listen and trust. This is what we see in 1 Kings chapter 19. Brandon, do you know the story in 1 Kings chapter 19? I do not. So 1 Kings 19 is where we have Elijah beaten down, worn out, ready to just give up. He's asking God just to take him now. And God sends a fire. God sends an earthquake. And it says that God is not in either one of those. But then Elijah hears a still small whisper. And what does he do? He listens. He doesn't just listen. He covers his face and walks out the mountain to meet with God. Because the whisper was God. God was passing by the mountain. And so... Elijah learns by shutting off his eyes and shutting off his mouth to go and be refreshed. And it gives him enough energy and enough motivation and recharges him enough to go off and do the next step of the plan. That's a completely different type of learning than we're ever used to doing. Yeah, it's not natural. It's not natural, which we just talked about. Contentment is not natural. So why would we expect that we can learn it in a way that is natural? It's a spiritual response to these sort of things. And because it's a spiritual response, that means that the Spirit is the one that has to teach us what it means to be content. And this is where we need those other chapters we talked about to fully understand what it is that Paul is actually saying here. So Romans 12, think back to the beginning of the year, Brandon. Romans 12, we talked about what, what's going on in Romans 12. It's like I need to take another look here. <laughs> Perfect. About being um, offering up our bodies as a living sacrifice. So that we can be the word, speci- one specific word. Transformed. You suggested this topic when we did it, so you should remember. <laughs> Transformed by the renewing of our mind renewed right it's the renewal was what we were looking at there at the beginning of the year says therefore brothers by the mercies of god i urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to the age but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of god that's romans 12 verses 1 and 2 it is through a renewed mindset that we can begin to comprehend the mysteries of God. And what does Paul say there in Roman in, in verse one? He says that you need to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, shutting off our eyes and our mouths. Yeah. Because and again, it's not it about it's us, a, it's not about it's what a we can see. worship too. Yeah, it's an act of worship. We are submitting ourselves to God. And when we do that, we will not conform to the, the age of the earth or the, the age of the, the culture around us. We won't conform to the patterns. Instead, the spirit will transform us through the renewing of our mind. 
And it's through that renewal that suddenly some of these different things that seem to be all mysterious and that are unknowable, we are able to slightly start to comprehend. Contentment is one of those things that we can start to slightly comprehend when we allow the Spirit to do the renewing of our minds. It's about a transformation of our desires and our heart and our sight into the will of Christ rather than our own. Yeah, and that's why I think with contentment, as, as you said towards the beginning of it being specifically for believers, we have that reassurance that Christ is really the only one that can truly fill us up and, and fill that void that we're missing uh, when we're not content. And so I think that's what also gives us the hope and reassurance that we have to practice contentment because we know that Christ is already one. Christ is already one. You know, we talked about this with the idea of worship of the fact that the Father is on the throne. We've, we talked about this, those that have watched other Twitter debates, the idea authority got thrown around a lot. And that was one of the things that we also were dealing with, the idea of the fact that the only authority that we have is Christ because all authority belongs to him. And so when we actually allow that truth to take hold and we submit ourselves in worship as a living sacrifice, our minds start to, to, to look different. We see the world differently, and we start to show, out of Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. We have love for our enemies. We have love for those around us. We have joy in the midst of in trial. We have peace in the midst of trial. We suddenly become more self-controlled. Contentment is also a fruit of the Spirit, just not one that we see in Galatians 5 explicitly. It's a fruit of the Spirit because it only comes about through the work of the Spirit. Mm. And specifically, contentment, if it is something that comes through the transformation of our will into the will of Christ, contentment is, surprise, surprise, about Christocentric living. We see the renewing of our mind happen here even in in chapter 4 of Philippians. Because what, what does Paul start with? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence, if there's any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. How do we go about rejoicing in the face of anxiety? Christ is the focus in the midst of all of it. Mm -hmm. How do we go about being content when we don't have enough resources to move forward? Christ is the focus, not the lack of resources. What is this peace that passes all understanding? Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is our peace in the midst of all these different things. This you know it's it's what we see even when we read the story of Peter trying to walk on the water. There's a storm gathering, everybody on the boat is freaking out, and then they see Jesus walking, and Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. And when is it that he finally fails and starts to sink? It's when he takes his eyes off Jesus. When it's no longer a Christo Christocentric focus. He starts to sink, and then he immediately has to turn back to him by saying, Lord, help me. And Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up. Contentment, what we see here in Philippians chapter 4, like we said, it's something that is a learned mystery, not natural. 
It's a spiritual response that comes about as a fruit of the Spirit to bring about Christocentric living. That is what Paul is talking about when he says he's learned the secret to being content. And he shows us this by something that he contrasts in chapter 3. So if we flip a page back, you know this is very similar to what we saw when we were doing our study in Galatians. Galatians 5, we have the fruits of the Spirit that everybody learns in Sunday school as a kid and focuses on. But what did we find in the list right before the fruits of the Spirit, Brandon? Do you remember? We have the we have the fruit of the Spirit, but before that, Paul gave us the fruit of the flesh, right? Yes. He talks about all of these bad things that the flesh produces, and then he goes in and gives their exact opposite as the list of what the Spirit produces in us when the, we allow the Spirit to take control. He does the same thing here in Philippians. Starting in verse 18, says, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we have also eagerly, we so eagerly await for a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. We've used this phrase quite a bit because I love the way Paul words it, but we're using it now more in its actual original like context of what Paul actually was saying. The image that he gives for contentment within the world is completely opposite of what he gives us in chapter four for the idea of contentment for the believer. Because what we see in chapter 3 is an image of hopeless longing for sustainment. Mm -hmm. Their stomach is their God. It, to, in order for them to worship, they must feel full. They are enemies of the cross, and because of that, their end is their destruction. They search for glory and instead receive shame. They are focused on earthly things. This is the exact opposite of what we just read in chapter 4, where our focus is on Christ. We're looking at things that are pure and lovely and that last forever and that are, are of, of benefit to us. And the only thing that we know to be pure and lovely and true is Christ. And because of that, our end is not destruction. Our end is joy in the midst of Anxiety, peace in the midst of anxiety, rejoicing in the midst of anxiety. Our glory is in the prayers that we give back to God, not in the things that we're praying to be delivered from. Mm -hmm. Our stomach is not our God. Our God is the one that provides us with contentment, even when our stomach is empty. Contentment is a Christocentric worldview that comes from a renewing of our minds through the work of the Spirit. It's a worldview. It's not just something that is simply, oh, well, if you're feeling like you need more stuff, you need to learn to be content. This is way bigger than just when you feel like you need something. It's a worldview that is formed out of Christocentric living and the work of the Spirit within us. And like we said, it's we are saying it's a fruit of the Spirit, even though it's not in Galatians 5 explicitly. But we do see characteristics of it in Galatians 5 with the other fruits of the Spirit. Joy and peace are very explicitly part of what even a worldly definition of contentment involves. You know, we, we got the word peace came up as a keyword when we looked through all the different responses we got from people. Happiness was used more than joy, but in the way that we were asking the question, they go hand in hand. But what is the difference between happiness and joy, Brandon? Happiness is more fleeting. Um, it's, it's temporary, whereas joy can be continuous. No matter what the circumstance is, you can continue to have joy. 
Because joy comes from Christ. The Spirit. Yeah. Which I think we did talk about in our um, Bible study group where can you have joy as a non-believer? Right. Is what we talked about. And I think we came to the conclusion that you can, but not the true fullness of joy from Christ or through Christ. Because it's just, it's what we just talked about. Joy is part of a, is part of a content worldview. You cannot have a content worldview without being able to access the knowledge of what contentment is. And you cannot get to that without the spirit being the one doing the work. And so you can have joy as an emotion, but like you said, it's a fleeting joy. It's not something that is going to stay with you in the midst of the darkest hour. Yeah. And I would, I would even argue too, that self-control is another, uh, one of the byproducts or fruits of, um, contentment as well, because, as we talked about, it's a learned practice. And I think typically with self-control, there's a discipline that's brought upon, brought about from that. Um, and, and so it, it kind of helps us keep in our lane, as I would say, that you're not kind of searching for different things. You're learning to be content in Christ, which is that, that self-control, that discipline that you're working to be within because again, we're we're going back to, to the center, which is Christ. And that, that self-control is a big piece because contentment, joy, peace, patience, they don't always look the same person to person. You know, we talked about this with the worship side of things as well. Worship does not look the same person to person. Because all of these things are the way that the Spirit is working within an individual. It's not going to look the same. It's not always going to even feel the same for that individual. But it does not actually go away. Because what does Jesus tell us? He's leaving the Spirit with us because he is not going to abandon us. That's part of why we can be content is that the one factor that does not change is the fact that the God that does not change is always with us. Jesus is the one that is doing the guarding of our hearts that we read about here in Philippians 4. The Spirit is the one that is renewing our minds that we saw in Romans 12. We don't have to fear not having enough. The key what what's the key word that we that I just said though? Enough. No, fear. <laughs> Because it's okay when we feel like we don't have enough and that we're not sure what is going to happen next. Doubt is not a sin. Worry is not a sin. What does Paul tell us here in chapter 4? An anxious life is a problem, Mm. not anxiety itself. A life that is defined by worry is a problem, not worrying about things as they come up. Because we can wonder how God is going to do something without completely losing our trust that God is going to do it. This is one of the best answers that we receive from Heavy Metal Mystic on Twitter. His response was that God is with me in this moment and that is enough. I like that. Because when we know that God is with us in the moment, and it's enough to know that God is with us, we will not have fear. Because again, what is it that Scripture tells us casts out fear? Don't overthink perfect, it. Perfect love. Perfect love is what casts out fear. Perfect love is a fruit of the... Spirit. Spirit. Contentment is a fruit of the Spirit. If we have actually learned what it means to be content, then we will not have fear in the midst of this. If God is with me in this moment and that is enough, then I do not have to fear how God is going to get me out of this. I just know that he will. And this is how we are now able to understand 
some of these quote-unquote problem passages that we see throughout Scripture. We are able to understand the Beatitudes better from this kind of mindset about what it means to actually be content. Because now when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, we know why they are able to be blessed. Because they have with them contentment if they are focused on Jesus. Yeah, and that we have the same God, we worship the same God, and he's the same one that's with us. And so my current circumstances don't make me who I am. What makes me who I am is what I've allowed the Spirit to do in my mind and do on my heart and to change my worldview to Jesus-focused and not the focus on my bank account. When he says, blessed are those that are persecuted, we can understand why it is a blessing to be persecuted because it is reminding us that it is not us anymore. It is all about Christ. You know, this is how we are able to help us understand the idea of loving our enemies. If we have a Christocentric worldview that is content in all things, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are as far as the relationship with the other person. Because it's not about the circumstances, it's about the image bearer in front of us. This is how we can understand what it means to sell all we have and give to the poor. Because if we have learned to be content in all circumstances, it doesn't matter if me doing this potentially puts me in harm's way. Because it's not about me. It's about the work that the Spirit is doing in the world around me. It's also how we can even understand why Paul would say, Slaves obey your masters. He's not condoning slavery. What he's condoning is for Christians to live with a Christocentric mindset of what it means to be content. And so in a world that allows for oppression, we are still able to live a content life. Because it's not about us and our circumstances. It's about the work that the Spirit is doing in us and in the world around us. Now what that does not mean is that this is all just solely spiritualized and so we don't care about the physical needs around us or the physical needs of others or about the oppression in the world around us. You know, we talked about that for the past however many weeks we've been doing this. Just because we are saying we need to live a life of contentment in the way that Paul is actually describing it here in Philippians, that does not mean that we are content with injustice in the world around us or content with watching others suffer in poverty or content with watching others struggle with where they're going to get their next meal. What that means is that if we are content because we have the spirit within us and we have been taught what it means, then that means that we should be content with our situation enough to sacrifice ourselves as a living sacrifice for the needs of others. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw the video that was kind of going around this week. Um, but there was a kid that was on like a ring doorbell and he was just asking for somebody like kids, his age, I think he's like 11 years old, someone to be his friend. Well, it comes to be find out like the neighbors were bullying him and some different things. So the neighbors ended up like raising $40,000 for this kid. But kind of the thing that came back was it's not what he wanted. Like what's an 11 year old going to do with $40,000? He just ultimately wanted friends and people to be with him. Uh, And I think that's sometimes what we do is we just say, oh, again, going back to the, the listening part, we don't listen or hear maybe what God is calling for us to do or what that person actually needs. And so we just give what we can, um, which is a great thing, but also it's not what they need specifically. We're missing out on their true needs, and that's where we fall short. And and that's part of why I like the way that the Greek actually talks about the idea of the way that we learn this. 
is the other thing that happens is that if we are having to shut off our eyes to learn, that means we are going to have to see the world through the eyes of the teacher. If we actually were to look at what that kid was seeing, we would know that it doesn't matter how big the bank account is if there's nobody to be able to have relationship with. You know, it doesn't matter how right you think you are about your political opinions if the person you are talking to is treated as less than by the politicians that you are praising. When we, it, This is the empathy thing again. Contentment mm-hmm. requires the empathy level a little bit here. Because for us to be content in our circumstances, we have to be looking at the world through Christ's eyes. We have to understand why he came to die for us. Because if we understand that, then we're willing to go and do it to other people as well. You know, we like, again, we throw the Americanized words around, the Christianized Americanized words around, saying, oh, just go and be content with what you've got. The focus there, if we, and, you know, when we actually say it that way, there's no sacrifice on my part. It's all, again, just say, you go do this because you aren't doing enough. This is what Karen was highlighting with her answer. It's a word that is used to beat up on people who lack things. That's the opposite of what we are called to do as a believer. That's the opposite of what the fruits of the Spirit actually show us. That's the opposite of what a a mind that is renewed to focus in on Christ and the work that Christ is doing produces. You know, that is not at all what we are called to do. Instead, we are called to learn to be content. We are called to consider others more highly than ourselves. We are called to love our neighbors, love our enemies. We are called to go out to them and make disciples. And then we are called to do what? Teach them. Part of what we are teaching them is exactly what we're talking about doing here. We are teaching them how to have this kind of mindset but not for our benefit it is for their benefit paul is very clear here that he's talking about the fact that he learned the secret to being content and so he's fine it doesn't matter if they're able to send the the funds that they promised him or not he is okay because god is still going to do the work regardless and that is all that matters God is going to do the work, so it doesn't matter if I get your check or not. He doesn't say don't send it, which is part of how when we when we talk about contentment, it kind of gets thrown around of, well, you don't need that. Learn to be content and don't ask for it either. Mm-hmm. Paul still is saying, yeah, send me, send me the check. <laughs> We've got work to do. Send me the check. But even if you are unable, God is still going to do the work. I know what it means to have a lot. I know what it means to have a little. We're still going to be able to do the work that we need to do. Do what you are able to do. And now we're back to, again, the peace and the patience side of this. And we're back to even an evangelistic disciple-making type of mindset behind this because now it is something where we are able to provide peace and comfort and patience to those that are wanting to help us. You know, we don't have to feel like because we aren't able to do something that we are failing God. Mm. Because the same God that gave me the peace to be content in my circumstances can give you the same peace to be content in your circumstances. And guess what? Paul already said in earlier in the chapter that you can still pray and take the petition to God for me on my behalf and be a part of the work that God is doing, which is what we're all excited about anyway. So we're not saying that contentment is a solely spiritual action or a spiritual mindset that ignores the physical needs around us. What we are saying, though, is that if it's a Christocentric worldview, that we are going to, again, like we talked about with the gospel, we are going to be able to see incarnational ministry happening around us, which is ultimately what we're looking for in the first place. One of the other things that we are not saying in this episode is that contentment is the sign of a true Christian. It is a fruit of the Spirit, 
if you see somebody that has truly learned what it means to be content, we know that they are going to be Christians. Because that's the only way it can be learned. But it does not mean that if you do not know the secret that you are not a Christian. Hmm. Paul, here in Philippians, is talking about he's finally learned the secret. Like we talked about when we did the Galatians study, before Paul even had started any of his ministry journeys, he spent 14 years studying what all this actually means. And that's on top of the lifelong study he had already done to become a Pharisee. Now, years later, Paul is finally saying, I now know what it means to be content. I've now learned the hidden knowledge of what God is able to show us when we allow his spirit to work. This is a lifelong thing. It does not happen overnight, and it's not supposed to happen overnight. If it happens overnight, then you are not being then you haven't actually learned the secret of being content. Yeah. Because that means you've just traded one state of affairs that you are comfortable with with another one. Not a process of actually learning that in all things, God still holds everything together. In all things, Christ stays the same. In all things, the Spirit is working and renewing our mind to see the world through the will of God. It does not happen overnight. It takes a long time. And like we said, it sometimes shows itself in different ways depending on how we understand who God is and what God has called us to do, going back to the worship episode. So we're not saying that if you have never heard this or have never seen it this way or have no idea how to access this kind of thing, that you are not a believer. It's just that this is an area of your faith that is still being worked on, which is okay and which is good because Mm -hmm. that means that you still get to experience what God is doing in your life. The other big one that we are not saying in this episode that we're – this is part of where uh, Captain Bluebeard came came to our rescue last night as I was finishing up the blog portion of this. When we talk about contentment, and especially in this chapter, when we talk about it from a worldview setting, one of the other big verses that gets misused in this passage that is dealing with the idea of contentment is when Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about, I think it was the peace episode we did last year that we talked about this a little bit. Anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is a natural reaction to things. It's a natural reaction that keeps us safe from harm. You know, God designed us to be anxious about certain things so that we do not touch it. You know, Anxiety is healthy in some cases. What Paul is talking about here is what he talked about in chapter 3. Do not be anxious about anything means do not make your stomach your God. Hmm. Do not have your focus on the world around you to the point that your end will be your destruction. Do not center your life around feeling like you need more or do not have enough. The sinful side of anxiety is when it becomes an idol and it becomes your focus and it becomes your identity. Anxiety, depression, worry are natural things that are healthy for us that allow us to understand that, hey, we need something different here. We need to make a change. But what Philippians 4 tells us is that if we learn what the secret to being content actually is, a a Christocentric worldview shift that the Spirit brings about in those that offer themselves up to God as a sacrifice and that are willing to learn by covering our eyes and shutting our mouths and allowing God to show us what it means, then when anxiety comes, like heavy metal mystic said God is with me and that is enough it doesn't mean that I'm still not anxious it doesn't mean that I still don't know what's about to happen it doesn't mean that I would love to know what God is actually doing here so that I don't have to feel like I'm walking on a storm infested lake here but it does mean that the anxiety is not what 
ultimately has my attention. Christ is what still has my focus and my attention in the midst of all of this. And so I can say that I have learned the secret of being content. And so I can rejoice in the midst of anxiety. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, just going back to that, we, we feel alone. So knowing that Christ is there with us because we'll look for other people physically to fill that void of, of being alone. Um, and again, it can be from the spaces of, of like just going to a pastor and saying, okay, well he can fix this or she can fix this um, because we, we don't want to go to God about it and, and try to have that peace um, that he provides with, with being with us. And, and so, yeah, I, I think we always are searching for that void when we're well, and alone. It goes, back, um, it goes back to the story you shared about the kid. He was just looking for somebody to be with him, not somebody to fill his pockets. <laughs> but we are so busy, we don't always take time to actually sit and be with somebody when these sort of things happen. You know, we talked about this in the tragedy episode. We're so quick to wanting to fix the problem that we don't allow time for us to actually sit and mourn and hear what the problem actually is. Which again goes back to why this is a fruit of the spirit with the fact that patience has to be involved. Self-control has to be involved. Love has to be involved. The relational aspect of all of this is always, at least within a Western society, the relational side of most of these theological issues is what normally gets tossed to the side. You know, we we don't yes. we we are uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. And so why would we want another person to sit there and make us feel more uncomfortable? I mean that's part of what's so much fun for me doing the 12 days of misfits is because of the fact we get to make you feel uncomfortable because it's, right. it, it is uncomfortable when you're being, when you're being pressured to have an answer, you suddenly are not able to find an answer that normally you'd be able to give right away. So why would we want to do that when we can just say, Oh, well, we'll just throw money at this and let you go do with it as you please. And then that way you're taken care of. And I don't have to, concern myself first of all i don't have to concern myself with myself anymore because i don't have to be uncomfortable and i don't have to concern myself with you to the point of making myself uncomfortable which is the opposite of the example that christ gave us where he instead humbled himself down to our level and came and was uncomfortable with us to the point of dying to make us be able to access this idea of what it means to be content in him so hopefully this made sense. We tried to we tried to narrow the vortex that was going around in my head for the past month and a half into something comprehensible for for people that aren't me. Um but you also made it into a blog, right? Yes, it is in a blog form and uh our good friends over at Buddy Walk helped us turn it into something that was actually readable. Um, which the blog is going to come out. So this episode releases on Tuesday, like normal, assuming that the internet actually held together long enough for us to have a full episode, but we are content with the internet that Canton city is giving us at the moment. (laughs) The, the blog, this episode is releasing on Tuesday, which I believe is the 11th. The blog becomes available on ministrymisfits.com on the 13th. But for our Patreon supporters, you may have already read the blog because it is available starting on July 9th for Patreon supporters. So if you want to get the the blog early because this is fresh on your mind and you're like, they missed something or they didn't cover something, it's probably covered in the blog portion. We left a little bit. Some of it was easier to talk about in writing. Some of it was easier to talk out amongst ourselves. So if you want to go get the blog early, you can do that by joining Patreon and you'll be able to get a link to access it a few days early. Otherwise, go check it out on the 11th and you'll or on the 13th and you'll be able to get the full thing there. We have the verses outlined a little bit more. We've got the Greek outlined a little bit more. 
we go a little bit deeper into the application as far as Jesus's words related to all of this. We go a little bit deeper into some of the other passages as well. So go check that all out. Again, the blog is ministrymisfits.com backslash blog, and it'll be there available for you to like, share all the good stuff. You can leave comments, all of that um, on, I think Thursday is the 13th. The calendar is all messed up. Yes. You know how that goes. But speaking yes, of again, Thursday is the 13th. Yes. So Thursday, the blog will be available. So if you're listening to this on Thursday or after, you'll be able to access it. Otherwise, go to Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash mystery misfits, and you'll be able to access it there, even at the $3 level. Also, new development that has come about that Brandon has not jumped on board with yet some of you may be aware that there's a massive civil war going on among social media companies right now there's a bunch of drama going on with twitter and so everybody's been wondering what's going to happen when elon finally hits the big red button and shuts everything down well zuckerberg has come up with his own option and released a new app called threads that is basically just twitter but through instagram's platform we went ahead and joined Threads, and so you can now come and follow us on Threads if you would like. We're at Ministry Misfit on there as well as we are with all the other social media things. Um, you'll be able to get pretty much a lot of what we do on Twitter will also be done on Threads. Um, a lot of our Twitter friends that we actually have fun theology conversations with already have moved over there as well. Um a word of warning to those that have only followed us on Instagram or Facebook, the, the, the stuff that we talk about in our episodes and that gives us the topics to talk about in our episodes normally are coming from Twitter and it is not what you normally see on Instagram. It's a little bit heavier. Oftentimes it's a little bit more of a headache because how are people reading this in their Bibles? It's going to be an interesting adventure. So if you want to join us on that adventure, um, if you have the Threads app, you can find us at Ministry Misfit. Um, we're trying to follow back everybody that follows us, but the app is getting a little confusing with the amount of people that are joining. And so if you want followed and we're not following you, just give us a shout out and we'll we'll be sure to, to get back to you there as well. Um, speaking of Threads, the merch store is still online. You like that one, Brandon? Sure, that was was good, that good? That was a good one. I like that. My yeah. internet cut back in for it. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, so speaking of threads, the merch store is online. Um, we've got all the Misfit Paul gear, all the Tikva gear, all that good stuff. Um, there are a couple of things that we were notified about that are kind of low in stock at the moment. Um, they're also, with the, the way that the weather has been, they are also trying to increase the amount of water bottle production they're able to do. So be sure to go check the merch store out. Get some Ministry Misfits merch there. You can help support the show. You can help support Tikva. You can uh, get all the Misfit Paul stuff, all the fun stuff over there. So, Brandon, this one was complicated for a lot of different reasons, but we got through it. Yeah, but we were still content. We were <laughs> content. <the> quality. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll, we got through it. We made it to the end. Next week should be much easier because we should be back. Hopefully the smoke cough is gone. Hopefully the internet in the city is working again. And we'll be able to actually have a, a an easier conversation. Um, no idea what we're going to be talking about. We're still hoping to be able to get Rachel Hunka on. Um, we're still hoping to be able to talk with uh, Pastor Joel related to some of the stuff even we talked about today. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. But in the meantime, we will see you next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. 
You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. 